Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our meditation this morning from the book of Isaiah chapter 55. Listen again to verses 10 and 11. God says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So far, our text. Well, let's begin the sermon this way. Imagine someone walking up to you on the street asking to borrow $100 and then promising to pay you back $125 the next day. Would you or would you not give them the money? Well, that depends now, doesn't it? It depends on whether or not you believe them to be trustworthy. And trustworthiness, well, that's something that stands and falls upon two things, identity and reputation. Identity. Who is this would-be borrower? A stranger? A family member? A friend? A classmate? A co-worker? I mean, their identity matters, doesn't it? And reputation matters, too. Have they borrowed money from you before? Have they ever lied to you? Do they know right from wrong? Can they name at least five of the Ten Commandments? And what do people say about them on Facebook? I mean, being trustworthy is an interesting animal, and one that is slowly becoming extinct. It used to be that a man's word was his bond. I mean, you could buy a car or a house or make a business deal with a promise and a handshake. But that ship has sailed. I mean, who do you trust these days anyway? Would you trust a politician? Would you trust a lawyer? Would you trust a used car salesman? Would you trust a police officer? Would you trust a clergyman? I mean, really, how much do we know about that man sitting over there? <laughs> huh? Not very much, you know. Would you trust the person who's giving you the evening news or posting the podcast from their basement? And what about that family who lives next door? They have always been kind of strange. Do you really trust them? The truth is... Many folks these days can count the number of people whom they wholeheartedly, 100% trust, either on one or both hands. And that's sad, isn't it? I mean, that is a sad commentary on how our culture has changed and shifted. But it's also a perfect backdrop for our text this morning. And this is a text from Isaiah chapter 55 where God literally screams, People, my people, you can trust me. Folks, you can trust every word that comes 
from my mouth. But is that really true? Is God really trustworthy? Well, let's put God's trustworthiness to our litmus test. What about God's identity? Who is he anyway? The two verses that immediately precede our text this morning, in chapter 55, they hold the answer. And here's, here's, here's the verses. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Guess what? God is much bigger than you. And God is much bigger than me. He is the creator, and we are the creature. Why is it so hard for us to remember that? And what's more, your God is holy and sinless and powerful. And this means that your God, he's not motivated. He's not influenced in the slightest by greed or selfishness or anger or jealousy any of sin's nasty byproducts. Gee, I don't know. Does trusting the word of a God who is holy and sinless and powerful, does that sound like a good thing? Absolutely. The word of God is always trustworthy because of God's identity, because of who he is. But the word of God is also trustworthy because of litmus test number two. It's trustworthy because of God's reputation. You know, sometimes theologians argue about the exact number of the promises of God that are found in Scripture. I don't know why, but they've always argued that. But there's thousands of God's promises. But what they don't ever argue about are promises that never came true. Because those promises don't exist. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. And so if God says it's going to rain like crazy, you better go build an ark. If God says these walls are going to come tumbling down, you better stand back behind the yellow safety tape. When God says, Lazarus, come out, hey, you better be ready to give him a hug because he ain't dead anymore. And if God promises that on the last day, the skies will open, angels will soar, trumpets will blast, and Christ will return to raise and to judge the living and the dead, well, best prepare yourself accordingly. I mean, imagine the reputation of a, a financial planner whose stock market predictions are always right on the money or a meteorologist whose forecasts are always accurate, or a doctor who never makes a misdiagnosis. I mean, those folks would be trusted implicitly. And when it comes to God's promises, God's forecasts, God's uh, predictions, he's still batting a thousand. You can trust his word because of his reputation. Okay, let's, let's uh, pause for a second. little recap. You can trust the word of God because of God's identity and reputation. But hear this. You can also trust the word of God because it's effective. You know, and our, and our text puts it this way. It's just simple and beautiful. 
you know, God promises, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it sprout and come forth, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I propose. In other words, we know this. Whenever it rains, things happen. I mean, come on, we went almost the entire month of June without rain. We, we were praying for a day, you know, like today. You know, but what happened when that rain finally showed up about uh, two weeks ago? You know what? You had to mow your lawn, didn't you? You had to weed your garden. You had to clean out the gutters. The word of God is like rain because whenever the gospel is preached or shared or read or sung, whenever the good news about Jesus is communicated in any way, things happen. The Holy Spirit gets busy. A God connection, a Jesus connection happens in a person's heart. But it doesn't always happen all at once, and it doesn't always happen right away. And I'll, I'll bet right now there is someone in your life whose Christian faith, or lack thereof, is something that you have been praying about, perhaps you've been praying about their faith you know, for many years. You know, someone that you love who used to go to church, and they've heard the gospel before. I mean, those seeds have been planted, and, 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 and you sneak Jesus into conversations whenever you can. You try to invite them uh, to church. Don't give up on them. Don't stop praying for them. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on the gospel. You know, keep on praying, because God's word never returns empty. Something always happens. You know, during this summer's wildfire season alone, fires up in Canada have destroyed 20 million acres so far. And to put that into perspective, the 10-year average for acres destroyed by fire in Canada is 1.3 million, 20 million this summer. Well, if there's a bright side to all of the smoke this year, it's that many of the trees destroyed were serotonous, okay? And serotonous trees include many varieties of pine, spruce, cypress, sequoias are serotonous. And these trees produce pitch-covered cones that only release their seeds after a forest fire. And sometimes the trees will, you know, nourish those cones for decades, they just sit there up on the tree waiting for just the right time to replenish the landscape following a fire. Well, the word of God is serotonous too because sometimes it takes a fire, it takes a major event in a person's life before those gospel seeds that were planted once upon a time to burst forth and begin to grow. You know, the birth of a child. You know, I've confirmed kids, they leave, they go to high school, they go to college. You know, I don't see them again, but one day they show up at church with a baby. You know, because having a baby is, it's, it's a major event, you know, isn't it? You know, or a health scare, or a broken marriage, or hitting rock bottom financially, 
or the death of a loved one, or the death of a dear friend. All of these events can start a fire that cracks open a person's heart, and those gospel seeds begin to grow, and they begin to take root uh, again. Do not give up on that loved one. Don't give up on the Holy Spirit. Don't give up on the gospel, the word of God, because God's word is surrounded it. It never comes back empty. All right, we're almost done. I'm getting kind of hot. What, one last point to make, and the point is this. The word of God is trustworthy because the word of God is love. Now think about it this way. I mean, God's word is always about love. And that makes sense because if you boil God down to his most common denominator, God is what? He's love. So his word is love. And whether that word is law or gospel, the two teachings you find uh, in the Bible, it's always about love. You know, whether God's trying to tell you how he wants you to live his life for him, or whether uh, God is trying to tell you uh, about your salvation through faith uh, in Jesus Christ, you know, you know he, he does that, okay? But then, you know, God tells you that he loves you in a different way. It's as if God said, okay, I mean, uh, I, I've told them how much I love them with my spoken word. I've told them how much I love them with my written word. Well, now I'm going to show them my love by sending them my son. And that's what God did. For God so loved the world, didn't he? that he sends his one and only son. And then John tells us the word became flesh uh, in his gospel. Jesus is God's word incarnate, okay? God's word with flesh on the bones. And so then we must ask ourselves, well, is this Jesus? Is this living word whom God has sent us, is he trustworthy? Well, let's see. In order to save your life from hell, the Son of God comes down from heaven. He leaves heaven behind. He becomes a man. He finds himself lying in the straw uh, of the manger. There's nothing in it for him. I might trust that kind of unselfishness. And then Jesus lives a perfect life. No sin. I'd probably trust someone who wasn't under the influence of sin at all. And then Jesus dies in your place, being punished for your sins. He carries your guilt to the cross and leaves it there with his death. No greater sacrifice than that. And then on an Easter dawn, Jesus conquers death, not just for himself, but also for you, so that by God's grace and through faith in that same Savior, when you die, you won't stay dead. You will live forever with your Savior in heaven. You would be a fool, and I would be a fool, not to trust someone with that kind of love and that kind of power and that kind of generosity. This living word, this Jesus, he is trustworthy too. So how many people do you really and wholeheartedly trust these days? In a world where trust in anything or anyone is becoming increasingly rare, you can always put your trust in the word of God. God is so infinitely bigger than you. Trust his word. 
God's reputation, spotless. Trust his word. And the word of God, so effective, never comes back empty. Trust it. And God's word also has a heartbeat, doesn't it? God's word has arms to wrap around you on your darkest day, the same arms that were wrapped around the cross. Jesus Christ, the living word of God, lived, died, rose for you. Trust him with all of your heart and mind and soul. Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.